Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio from the CEP Network. If you like what you hear, do us a favor and hit that subscribe button on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts and give us that five-star rating. Maybe even leave a review to let others know what you think of the show. And while you're at it, give us a like and a share on the socials and tell all your friends about Raised on the Radio. The CEP Network has a promo code for one of the best nutrition and supplement companies in the business for you to use. Whether you're looking for a custom oatmeal, a multivitamin, a great tasting protein that you can order by the pound, or simply looking for a company you know you can trust to send you the best quality products available, True Nutrition has you covered. Just go to truenutrition.com, look at all of the great products, place your order, and when you go to make your payment, type in CEPN in the promo code box for 5% off of your entire order. It is that easy. We here at the CEP Network are always looking for sponsorship and collaboration opportunities. If you or anyone you know has a business they're looking to promote in 2022 and want to be a part of our network, reach out and let's see what we can do. We need to let you guys know that as of the beginning of 2022, we will not be using BiJack for Raised on the Radio merchandise. We will keep you informed on our transition to a new company, and we look forward to bringing you new merchandise in the future. In the meantime, if you're looking for some Raised on the Radio gear, hit us up through email or message us on one of the socials and we'll get some to you. In this episode, Patrick and I chat with the one and only Chris Curd. Chris is a legend in St. Louis music with his bands The Leopard, The Hush List, and his latest project called Mad Love. We dive into his move from St. Louis to Denver, we throw in some COVID talk, we get his outlook on music after having kids, and we talk about some streaming platforms. If you'd like to get a hold of Patrick Blair or myself, you can reach out through email or on the social medias. You can reach us at RaisedOnTheRadioSTL at gmail.com or on the Raised on the Radio's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok pages. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or topics you would like to get our thoughts on, don't hesitate to reach out. And now we're going to play a track from Chris's latest project, Mad Love, called Gang Gang. And that will lead you into the episode. Enjoy.
Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio. I am one half of the show. I am Colt Brocato, my good friend Patrick Blair in Zoomland as usual, with a very special guest today, Mr. Chris Kurd, all the way from, I'm going to say Denver. I know it's not Denver proper, but Denver, Colorado. How are you, sir? Good, good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Jealous, jealous of you for being in Colorado and not here in beautiful St. Louis. That's, that's, what, that's how I feel right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I feel the pain. It's many, many years in St. Louis area, but yeah, it's, well, it's, the climate is more extreme out here, so you're not missing a bunch besides the mountain. It's enough. It's enough. How much do you, how, come on, be honest. How much do you miss St. Louis? Very little? Zero. Ooh, Zero. wow. <laughs> That's what I was hoping for. I, I did my time. I li- was living in the city. I lived there for 10 years, and, you know, that was probably the the most exciting part of St. Louis of just living in Missouri was just being in, in the midst of everything that was going on. You know, you got all the good, uh, the good, uh, playing places to play down in the city. And I, I, I was down where you were, where it was popping. The nightlife was going on. And, you know, once you start having kids, it's kind of like, eh, I need to be a little bit further away from that. So well, living in, go ahead. We have to make something clear because we often talk about St. Louis on the show and we talk about different areas of St. Louis and we talk about crime and we talk about nightlife. You were St. Louis. We need to make this very, you were, doesn't matter if you lock your doors, St. Louis. It's a very different yeah. thing. You, you want to leave your car doors open. Don't leave anything shiny. You know, you might as well just leave the keys in the car. People just, you don't want to deal with those people. But yeah, we were in the deep south of the hood and uh, we were repping it. Once you have kids, man, it's just, you just get so much more sensitive, so much more hyper aware of everything that's around you. And it was just, it was time to go. 10 years was a good playoff though. So we had a, a wonderful time being down there. And I mean, you were at, you came to the old house. That was a nice little cool spot, right? Hated, hated driving there. Not going to lie. Yeah. Many, many stop signs where I was like, I'm either going to have to run this person over or I might die. <laughs> which, which one am I going to do? Uh, yeah. Um, my wife yeah, man, the city, like we, as soon as my wife got pregnant, we were, we were in the city. We were trying to stay there, trying to upgrade in the city. As soon as she got pregnant, I was like, mm, we might as well just make this the time to just get out and, and head to the suburbs um which is exactly what we did we're still close enough we're still close enough yeah but touching it so we didn't we didn't do like west county or saint charles or anything like that we're close enough but you know maplewood's five minutes away so we're 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 good yeah Yeah, that's a good spot to be in too so cole where are you where are you at i'm about an hour and a half south of st louis out in the out in the boonies the best place to be, I think. Patrick Patrick doesn't like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I would like it if there were mountains, but it's just I, Missouri. I, I would take mountains. Just southern Missouri. <laughs> you make it sound so bad. <laughs> it's fine. It's okay. I mean, you did post the, the, the video of the snow the other day, and I was like, oh, look at that. That's peaceful. But, yeah. And that's as far as that thought went for you. I appreciate it. it. Thank you. I died right there. I died right there. <laughs> So is, is kids what got you to Denver or did work did you move to Denver because of work or how, how did COVID really is what was the motivator to be okay. honest with you. Okay. Once everything got locked from the first time, 
you know, two something years ago. We just, I mean, we really just got motivated to get the house where we wanted it to be and just got lucky enough to when, when all of the, the set housing stuff started going crazy to sell at the right time. I mean, we struck the pot as, as when it was hot, so to speak. And so we just launched us into, well, let's, let's put it this way. We were, we weren't able to go a bunch of places, obviously, because the airlines and stuff were more hesitant on flying people. So we were, we were driving to Colorado. Megan's sister was here before, you know, she had already been living here a couple of years. And so we'd come and stay a couple of days or a week or so. And we just got to the point where we were like, well, both of our jobs, Megan's in, in uh, waste management and recycling, educating. And so hers is all over the place. She got contracts all over the world. So, and then my job, I work for MasterCard, still do at this point. And I'm in management. So it's just like, I can stay from home. I basically just make my own schedule. So it got to the point where we were just like, why do we want to just sit here and do nothing? Let's go to where there's mountains and we can at least like go outside and take our kids places and where we don't have to be by a bunch of people if we don't need to. And, you know, we've got some family already out there. So it was pretty much a done deal. We put the house up for sale, I think right at the beginning of April of last year. And it was on, it was on the market for like five days and it sold for way over what we were wanting. And it was kind of just like, that was the sign. Yeah. We need to get out. <laughs> but I mean, to, to be honest with you, we were in a good spot. We were in defiance out towards the wineries, you know, in, in Missouri area. And it was perfect. I and mean, it's kind of like, maybe not necessarily like where you're at Colt, but it was far enough away from people, but close enough to the amenities that we needed to survive. Yeah. It was, and it was, we had parks. It was pretty close to about what I've got. Cause we, we came down to your house that one time, remember and recorded for the CEP. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's basically like the same area. So, yeah, I mean, we was just, we had what we needed to, to, to exist out there. And, and it was nice. It was a slow change of pace from going from the city to, you know, fast up going all the time, having to be in front of where everything's going on to just, just stepping back and just letting things just slow back down with the kiddos. It was a, uh, it was a nice change of pace, but this is really good too. Other than, you know, I never thought that I would be in more of like a suburban residential type of area where people are up on top of you. I have to tell you, I mean, living in the city, people leave you alone. You kind of miss that even though it was in the hood I mean, people out here, as soon as they knew that we moved in, they're bringing fucking cakes over and all this <laughs> other, just trying to make themselves known, ringing our doorbell. We got a one month old. I'm getting upset because people are ringing the doorbell, waking the kid up. Just like, leave the kid, leave the cookies on the front door and go home. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't think that was real until I, until my wife and I moved here where we are currently, like our neighbors brought us a Christmas present. I was like, what? And we've been here, we've been here since we, we bought the house in January, 2020, super lucky. And we've been here since yeah. then. They brought us a Christmas present. I was like, oh, cool. We're at that point. Like now I feel like an ass. Guess we'll have to get you something next year. Put that on the calendar. <laughs> but like the way I grew up, our neighbor, it was, I guess there was a sense of community, but we didn't have, like, we didn't communicate like that. We didn't have that level of like neighborly like hey bill how's it going today oh my it's like it wasn't like that it was more like you said living in the city where it's kind of everybody just kind of left everybody alone you know it was kind yeah of you live nicely and you just go about your business that's about but it there, 
there was also that level of like, hey, what are you looking at? Why are you looking at my house? Why are you looking at my cars? Why are you looking at my kid? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was very much like confrontational. Like, no, no, we're not doing that today. It's like, okay. But now I'm in an area where it's like, hey, how's it going? You got to wave. And then there's the whole, we got to talk now. Kids. Kids. Love it. Oh, snap. Hold on, Daddy Daycare. This is Daddy Daycare. Yes, come here, Bubba. How old, on, how old is he? Oh, he is four months. Nice. Crazy. Yep. Got to stretch a little bit. There you go. This is how <laughs> it how always goes. He just, well... Uh, five, right? Yeah, he's five months. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Not five years so old, five know, months old. Yeah. You know exactly what I'm dealing with. Yep. When it's time, it's time. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't I don't think I could you're <laughs> you're more talented than I am because I couldn't I wouldn't don't think I'd be able to podcast with a four month old. <laughs> well, that's what I I was telling Patrick and Mike, hey, heads up, I'm gonna have both the kiddos. Yeah. We can do this and if not, but I'm I'm ready to rock and roll if you guys are. Heck yeah. Yeah, man, it was your oh. call. Not <laughs> it's up to you, man. How much responsibility do you want for one morning, dude? I've had more in my life, so. Yep. One kid, Sonic, and now I got the other one, and we're happy. But yeah, I mean, just getting back to what we were saying, just you know, life has been chaotic the last couple of years. I'm sure you guys know this too, and have felt it in one way, shape, or form. But you know, you just got to do what you got to do. You got to make the best of it. Make sure your family's taken care of. That's really the, the heart and soul of why we're breathing. As long as those kiddos are good and your wife's not yelling at you, you're good, man. You're good well, to go. I was say, the kids are good. I don't know about the other part. <laughs> yeah, the other part yeah. I don't know if I can avoid, dude. Sorry. <laughs> it's inevitable. There's so yeah. many hidden things. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you've been working from home this entire time? Yeah. We did uh, right before, so right... Okay, so March, I guess March of 19, or 2000 was when everything kind of popped off and everybody was going crazy with the COVID stuff. We were literally, I had just accepted a job for, for MasterCard and I was working in office a little bit. And, and uh, so, you know, things were, things were popping off. Well, I had just, we had just taken a flight to Costa Rica. We had taken Megan's mom and dad for their retirement. They were, they were just retiring. So they had helped us out in so many ways in our life. And it was kind of, we, we both got to the point in our career. It was like, okay, well, we're, we're going to spend some money on them and we're going to take them for this nice trip and it's going to be beautiful, right? So we take them to this trip and literally probably like four or five days in is when things are starting to go nuts here in the, in the U.S. And then we get word in Costa Rica that they're going to shut down the borders. And we pretty much need to get out unless they're going to lock us in. And then we would be, we'd be there for the foreseeable future. Well, you know, we're on vacation. We didn't think anything about that at the time. We were like, eh, we'll, we'll take the risk and we'll go. We'll just be cautious. We brought all medicine just in case anybody got sick. We brought, you know, all of our masks and everything else that we could have. And it just started unfolding. The onion started peeling back and it just got more and more chaotic. And they literally were kicking us out. Well, meantime, we're, we're sitting in this nice little resort right by the beach, trying to enjoy our time, but it's like, no, we just can't. Everybody's 
high intensity, you know, anxiety's running wild. And the family's just like, we got to go. We got to get out of here. So we start, we finally made the decision uh, to uh, to get an, a flight out. And all these flights started, started canceling. And um, we we literally were getting locked in. So we start start freaking out a little bit. So we're like, okay, well, we'll spend whatever we need to just get out of the city or get out of this, this part of the country. So little little lower behold, like we were able to get out, but just by the by the hairs of, of our chinny chin chin, and uh, literally like we locked in. We had to we had to go back home and lock down. So thankfully, I was able to work remotely with my company, and we we really weren't affected by that by any means. But you know, I was able to multitask. You know, I had a I had a two and a half three year old daughter, so I had to make sure she was okay. She was in she was in daycare at that time, so we had to pull her out. And then you know, we were both able to work from home and kind of focus that that crazy energy into uh, getting our house up and into a good spot. Yeah, it was the whole travel. That's crazy. I did. Oh God, if I was in Costa Rica and they're like, "Hey, you got to stay," I'm like, "Well." maybe for how long (laughs) how how long we talking there was no how long it turned out to be about three months oh my god they were not allowed they were not allowing people in and out yeah geez yeah i was on a trip february february of 2020 so right before everything started getting really bad in the united states i remember sitting at a hotel bar and these two two you know, older, kind of older dude. They were definitely older than me. I don't know, probably late forties, but sitting next to me and the hotel bar has the news on and it's clips of like people in China, like collapsing on the street. And these two guys just remember them going, and they were like, kind of like in a way, like mocking it, like we'll never have to deal with that here. Right. And I just remember getting back and then literally a week later, it's like, yeah, sorry, everything's going to go to hell. I was like, I'm so glad I'm at home. I'm so glad I'm not anywhere else. And I was in Detroit. Like it matter, you know, nobody wants to be stuck yeah. in Detroit. But <laughs> um, that would have been a nightmare. But yeah, I was just like, yeah, no one wanted to deal with that. Yeah, I mean, it just was chaos from every angle that you looked at it. You didn't know what was right, what was wrong, and you know, you can't really believe what media is telling you, anyways. Even to now, just no. I was gonna say, yeah, nothing's that. changed. <laughs> We're still in the same boat. Oh. If, you know, they took it as we can make money off of this and keep people scared and, you know, from, from whatever angle they're, they're opposing that. But, you know, you just, you got to trust your gut. At the same time, it's like, that sucks. It, it pretty much locked us out of being able to just enjoy any part of life. And so you just had to, I think that was probably the hardest couple of months for us. I mean, my wife and I pretty practically almost killed each other because we had never, you know, we just had routine. We had our normal thing. I went to work. I went and ran errands after work, went and picked the kids up, came home, got dinner ready. You know, you just had this rudimental thing that's going on every single day. And then it just basically stopped. And I mean, I don't know about you guys. For me, it's like, that was just like a torrential downpour mentally for me. I am, I'm all about routine of things. And it was like, no, you're not doing that no more. Oh, you can't go out and do this. And you can't go bike ride with your friends. You can't do any of these things. It's like, shit well how do i burn all this extra energy you know or how do i get those negative things that maybe are you know the turmoil that's going on through my week whether it's work or 
or, or life or family or whatever, how do I get that energy out? And I wasn't able to because, you know, we were face to face. So thankfully we did not kill each other or any of the kids, but you know, it was close. Well, I, I would yeah. imagine, I would imagine music is a route that you normally take to get a lot of that out too, right? Yeah. So, yeah, but at that time I had already kind of stepped away from it. You oh, know? Okay. Yeah. I mean, with, so by that time we'd already moved out to, you know, defiance area and we're kind of just being more lax and just focusing on the family. And, you know, the hush list had already, people were already starting to have kids and other situations were happening at the time. And we kind of just got to that point where we were like, we've got a good run at this right now. Let's just kind of step back. So the music had already stopped. You know, we were, we were starting to write another record under the hush list. And what it turned out to be was, you know, I ended up kind of peeling back a little bit and just being like, well, I'd rather just kind of write this by myself. And I would rather just kind of just focus on things I have to and not have that extra, um, you know, expectation coming from four or five other guys where it's like, well, you can't be at practice or you can't do these things. You can't do this. And it's like, well, my life has changed, you know, and as much as I love the music and it's been a huge part of who I am, hell, it's the beacon of who I am. But it, it's my kids are who I am now. Right. Just focus part of just life in general is who I am. So, yeah, I mean, I stepped back for a while and we slow wrote a record. I mean, it's been four years I mean, I haven't played a show in probably five or six years. 2017 was the end of, of me playing. So four years. And uh, as much as I miss it, you know, it's just like, dude, I had like 15, 20 years of that. I mean, Patrick, you were in the same boat. I mean, we've been playing grinding teeth at this for years and years. So it's, at some point, it's like, yeah, I, would I love to be back on stage and would I love to be putting out material all the time? Yeah, but it's just not where I'm at in life anymore. And I think, you know, my whole thought process has changed, too. When I'm putting stuff out now, it's not because it's like, go, 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 go. It's it's thought out. And yeah. it's like, you know, like the song that you put out, like that was a fantastic song. And it was for your son. Oh, and it was like you wanted to do that because that's where your mind is now. And yeah, I, you know, I watched that your part of the podcast where you had some trolls and some assholes basically just being like, Oh, you're a douchebag, whatever. Well, screw you, dude. Like this wasn't for you. Yeah. You can, you can turn this off right now and go and watch something else. That's fine. That's the, you know, that's the type of, of mentality most people have nowadays. You listen to 10 seconds of a song and you're on to the next thing. So just play like that and go. But this yeah. was, like you said, man, you wrote it for your son and you wrote it. It was a meaningful thing. Well, that's how I look at it now, too. When I'm putting music out, it's about my family. It's about, you know, maybe some, some emotions or something that I ran through at that time. And, and I want it to, to kind of hit and touch base with people who are feeling that same thing. It's not for everybody. Yeah. Maybe, maybe earlier on in my career, it was like, I want to just reach out to as many people as possible and, you know, play the game of, how commercially successful can I be and, and, and how relatable can I be to everybody? But, you know, as, as you know, life is not that way. Once you start bringing the kiddos and family in the, in the situation, you think less and less and less about that shit. It's yeah. like, I want to quality things out. I want to do it on my time. Yeah. I, I, have to, I, have to, I have to imagine that music itself is going to take on a new meaning for you guys, too, as your kids get older and you, pro you get them into music and things like that, too. I bet music, you're going to look at music completely differently than you always have the rest of your life. 
hundred percent. I already am. I, I it, you know, you said something and it's it, for me having a kid now, it's really made me change the whole reason that I, my, my whole motivation and what inspires me, you know, and to be honest with you, the motivating factor for me was cause I hadn't played a show in a while. And you know, the, the project that I was a part of, it just stopped. There was no real reason. And I was actually saying this to my wife, like we put out an EP in 2018. It's still some of the favorite stuff I've ever done. And no one, no one heard it. You know, we put it out um, <laughs> and it was on a thing, but like, we never played a show, you know, yeah. like we never even really rehearsed it in a sense. So like, sort of like, well, that's done. So now, you know, once my son was born, I was like, I can't, I can't live in a world and I can't have my son living in a world where I'm not being creative musically. So let me just do this on my own and let me just see how it goes. And man, no disrespect to anyone I've ever been in a band with, but man, this is so easy. It's so <laughs> it's 100% stress-free and I have all the resources I need to not only get it done by myself, but get it done in a sense where it doesn't take a year to get a song done. I can get it done, put it out and it's done. And then it's there and then it'll live on forever and if by the time my son is 15, he's like, dad, that was super lame. I listen to Brian core now. I'm like, cool, bro. But you, at least, you know, that I was doing it. You know what I mean? Like that was you at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just been so much easier, man. Um, and I'm discovering things about it that I never knew before. Part of that is my own fault. And I probably should have been, I was always involved in the sort of, like you said, like, I just wanted to be, I want as many people to hear it as possible. So what do we have to do? And I sort of, sort of had a blind eye to all of the other stuff that was going on. And again, that's my fault. Um, but I never, I never wanted to treat it like a business. I always wanted to do it because I loved it because it was fun. And then when it stops being fun, you regroup, you find new people, you start all over again. I mean, how many times have you done that? Several, same thing with me. Like seven or uh, eight times. <laughs> had I known 15 years ago, like, Hey, maybe just try it on your own and see how it goes. Maybe it would have been different because I didn't have that motivating factor in my life like my son. But um, were, yeah. were, things were probably a lot different 15 years ago, though, right? Would it still be as easy as it is for you now? I don't know. I don't know. But there were plenty of people I knew that were doing it on their own. They kind of controlled everything. You know, they, they absorbed all of the responsibility, all of the creative control. And again, a lot of people that, and Chris, you can probably vouch for this a lot of the people that i knew that were like that were unbearable to be around in the creative like during the creative process but that's the way they treated it um that's how be to be honest with you in a lot of in a lot of ways they were doing it the way that it needed to be done but i think you know from from where me and you grew up and the mindset was you do this in a group you collaborate with other people you kind of get those tingly vibes when you're like, hey, I brought an idea to the table and you see it changing and, you know, and molding as it's happening. And then you get to the end result. Now, maybe right. not for you, but when I started getting to that point, because, you know, in 2010, I was playing in a band in California and trying to do the whole make it big thing, you know, and and it just I was exposed to so many things that pushed me away from wanting to do that, especially with a group of people, because I had no say so by myself. Right. And so when I moved back to St. Louis, if you remember, I put out a record, I put out a five song little EP that I, I did with Nick Rollman in his basement. 
And it was, it was probably like the most gratifying thing that I had ever done at that time. And it was just me, yeah. me and him. He was setting up all the equipment because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I, <laughs> he had a whole little studio basement. And I'd just go over there and we'd drink beers and we'd talk about things. And we literally just, we probably talked for about an hour and a half or two before we start even recording. And then it would just be so lax and so easy. And I'd just go right. in there and he'd be like, put, put, put down what you want to put down. And I'm like, well, that's not how I'm used to it. I'm, I'm, I'm so used to being formulated with other people. And okay, the drums go first. And then here's the guitar work. And then now I'm doing it all. But, you know, it was the most like cathartic thing I could have done. I mean, for myself personally. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, it drove me to just see what you're seeing. At that yeah. time, I think I find I too, where I was like, yeah, I want to do this for a minute, but then I, I really want to, I want, I really want to form this into a full band, you know, and then step back leopard turned into the leopard, which was a full project. And then the leopard turned into the hush list. And for me, I was, I liked the fact that I was able to show, I was able to show those transformations, but in the back of my mind, it's like, I could have done all this by myself. Yeah. You know? I wrote the majority of that music, not taking away from any of the guys that, that played with me and helped see that come to fruition because, I mean, yeah, I could have never had the sound that I got with those guys, but I could have put out the music that I wanted to put out and, right. and probably do. But now, you know, you got the kids, everybody's in, everybody's in <laughs> full view. Patrick, you sent me a music video from a long time ago where you were uh, a guest voice on one of Chris's tracks. What was that band? That was the Leopard. That was the Leopard? Okay. I'll have to verify that when he comes back. I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the Leopard. Okay. <clears throat> that was the Leopard, right, Chris? Craig Niemöller, yeah. Breathe Easy was the, the track, yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember, you know, step back, which was just you, you played that, you played a show with, with, uh, killer me, killer you, you played by yeah, yourself. Orvis. It was, who yeah. Else? So they that say came that. back for that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. And maybe, uh, uh, from skies of fire was on it. I want to say, or maybe fivefold. I think it was from skies of fire. That was at the firebird. Yeah. 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 I don't remember. Was that, it was a show. I don't remember what it was. They had a purpose though. I don't know if it was a CD release. Maybe it was. Um, it it might've been the one where we auctioned off a date with Jason. I don't know if he was in the band by then yet. I don't he, know. I think he, no, no, no. I don't think he was, but yeah, that was like your old practice spot. I came and watched you guys practice, but yeah, that was, I think a CD release for you guys. At the Firebird. Yeah. The things we do to get people to a show. We're going to auction off our bass player. <laughs> you guys always, and you guys, packed the house with that that was one of those bands and it's like you guys had something going i couldn't explain pop, it you, i still can't explain it you guys would have pops packed to the brim i mean i don't know a whole bunch of bands that could even do that now you I, know what i'm saying well colt was colt was amazed to hear that battle for point fest shows used to nearly like sell out pops or like fill up pops because oh, yeah. apparently now they oh. don't do shit i haven't been to one in so long but you can vouch for it i mean we used to fill that place with tons of people for specifically for those battles. You know, I was telling oh, yeah. stories like the one, 
the very first one I ever did, like, it was just like every good metal band was on it. Every good rock band was on it. If you had a rap metal band, you were on it. Like, and then like the Sunday night local shows though, cornbread would do them at pops. And it was just all, it was a hangout for all of us band dudes to just go there and get wrecked on Bush lights or bushes and, and watch him do a show, you know? Oh, he was doing, that was at pops originally. Originally. Yeah. Really? That's kind of cool. Yep. 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 And then like, you know, it, it transitioned to, or transformed to, this was probably a bad thing, but they would let you play live on the point. So like on the local show, like they would, (laughs) I was like, and they give you like, Hey, do you want us to do a recording of it? I was like, no, I never (laughs) want to hear that. I never want to hear what that sounded like. I'm good. Yeah, that was real good. Oh, the cornbread days. Yeah, we I played there in a couple different bands. We did the live thing, and it, it, it was the same way. I left feeling worse than I did when we walked in there. Like, yeah. I couldn't hear anything. I wasn't. I couldn't pay attention to what you were doing, playing guitar over there. It was rough. But, yeah, you know, man, it it's – uh, and that's the thing. Like you said, like, with that band, I love – loved being in that band and all the like moments that we have because we it, it was cool but like what i'm experiencing now doing stuff on my own i'm like man now but it, and it sounds it sounds i don't know kind of a douchey but like i had visions before but i was too much of a pushover to like really give them for what i wanted a song to be whereas now i don't have to i just i have a vision and i'm gonna go with it you know you don't have to feel like somebody else is gonna tell you that sucks you know what I'm saying? It's just kind of like, put yeah. it out there. That's, that's the type of life, or like, that's pretty much where we live in now. Is everybody is putting out something, whether oh, it's dude. audio, video, and, you know, it's almost just like nobody is caring about, not that they're not caring about the details of what they're putting in, because obviously some people are, but they're just kind of just putting out more emotional things, more raw just content. Uh, more content equals more followers equals more everything. Yeah. Yeah. People want to see realism. People want to see you as you, not this like made up fictitious thing, like, and just kind of hitting the head with the band stuff, you know, just like you, it was sometimes it would take four or five years to release something and we'd be doing all this underground work to get it ready to go. And then you got to get an artist to do all of your artwork and you got to get posters. We got to send it off to get mastered by such and such. And we're going to pay $800 for that. Like, why did we do that? Why did we ever do that? It's just a name. Exactly. There was plenty of other people probably in the St. Louis area that could have given you quality product for a lot less and you would have had it done months and months prior but we did the same thing like the format that you that we saw all of our heroes do or we heard all the other bands do and it was kind of just like oh we got to do it we got to have you know chris crummett do our stuff or we got to have these people do our stuff nah i mean i do the majority of my stuff at home now you know what's been what's been good about just kind of doing and free thinking by myself but uh being more free thinking now i mean you know, I'm able to pick who I need to pick in, in the projects that I need. Like I work with Chris Hobbs from Cabo. So, and then I work with Andrew, who's a great, fantastic drummer. We, I, I record everything here. I send the ideas to them when they've got time, they track, they track their end. You know, you know how much, how much more easily and, and, and uh, less cost effective it is 
for you to just get like a small little home studio set up, get a microphone, you know, get, get you a little mic pre and some software and just, you know, a quiet, nice little isolated room and track whatever you can track and bring it back. Especially just for like pre-production stuff. If we want to go into a studio later on, which is some of this record that we're getting ready to release, we did like we went and did the drums the standard way the drums are supposed to be done in the studio and we did the bass at the same time and then the rest of the stuff we did it from other people's homes yeah and we did it did all the vocals from my house where i didn't have to go out right when covid was going crazy i was able to just take my time yeah any for that we would have been paying by the hour and paying with somebody else's time for them to be like, hurry up and track the shit and get out of my studio. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that was the mentality that I was so used to growing up was I'm paying this money, thousands of dollars for a five song EP for a limited amount of time to go in there and be as professional and crank it out as fast as you can. And you ne- I, I don't know about you, but there was very few times where I, I left there happy about the things that I put down. You know, it, it may have it may have happened in, in uh, the production part of it or, you know, Matt Amalong tweaking and doing his magical things or, you know, even with the mastering that cost us a billion dollars to do. Those guys were be, were able to make make it, the dreams come true, so to speak. But who mastered this? With, Your mother. What's that? That's who. Don't ask me that. <laughs> who, I hate when people used to ask who mastered it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, but just, you know, this time around in life, I was able literally just to do what I wanted to do, not have any extra, not have any extra hands like I do right now with the kids. <laughs> no, say so. so. Yeah. Well, see, it's funny. You mentioned, you mentioned like our heroes and the people we grew up. See, what I always considered recording to be, what I, what I wanted recording to be. And I'm like you, I have some stuff. I'm just like, oh, God. Like he he knows he he brings up old stuff and I'm like dude I I can't listen to that like I cringe even when you say a title like let alone me have to hear it but like um my my whole thing was like you know you watched you heard stories or watched videos or like the making of like all the bands that I consider heroes or grew up listening to like the recording process was a long thing you know oh yeah you had like Axl Rose showing up drunk to the studio. And he'd be like, well, I'll be back. And the, the band members would be like, he might not be back for six months. That's what I wanted. To, I, that's what I wanted it to be. I wanted it to yeah. be this larger than life process to where that end product made you go. We're here. We've arrived. Yeah. Where it, it wasn't like that. It's like you said, it was always rushed. It was always too much money for this. Not enough money for that. Who did this? Who yeah. did that? Um, and then I finally like the project that I brought up, the EP that I put out that no one ever heard because we never played it. That was the one time where I treated it like that. We went out to L.A. We did the L.A. thing. We recorded it with all things considered a big time producer. I mean, this guy recorded sure. the mu- or you know, did the music for Iron Man 3. I mean, this guy had done things. So we're like, this is it. And I went out there by myself and did all the vocals by myself. So I got to sort of live the sort of like, I'm going to do this on my time type, you know. Um, and no one heard it. So now here I am I'm like doing everything on my own. I'm like, well, I, this is, this is cool this way. Like, let me be inspired yep. by the little guy. Let me just do this the way I want. Let me just stick with my vision. I don't have to answer to anyone. And then I got rad people around me who will record it for cheap and are willing to sort of just work with the vision I have. 
sure put in your creative yeah. input because that's why I'm here in the first place. You're a creative person and I trust you. Um, but that's it. You know, that's really all it's been. And it's been, dude, it has opened my eyes to so many, so many things that I wish I knew. It also makes me question, where's a lot of the money? Yeah. Where's that, where's that money? Where's that money? You, you know, I look at it too, from, from what you're saying. I mean, I experienced a lot of those same exact things. Well, how is this not happening for me? You know, we're, we're opening up for freaking huge bands and, you know, we've got a bunch of record labels talking to us and promising us a whole bunch of shit. Nothing was good. I mean, it was all 360 deal stuff. So it was like, yeah, the conversation's sweet, but I I'm not 20 years old and selling right. my soul for, for a, you know, a slice of pie that you're going to be having a hand in it anyway. So shit, I already had a kid. I was like, my wife's like, you get on the road, you may not have a wife when you come back. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it was like, I wanted to make sure that I was making the right decisions. And I'm telling you what, those guys were so upset with me in the band. They were like, dude, this was our opportunity. And it's like, opportunity or not, it just it didn't present itself the way that I wanted it to. So I, I, I had to pass on it. And, you know, unfortunately, that was one of the last ones that we had where there was a bunch of static around us. And we were still playing big shows and getting the right things seen. We were right in front of everybody that we needed to. And it just wasn't, it wasn't happening. Was I still happy with what I was putting out? Absolutely. I think that left coast record is probably one of the best things at the time that I put out, you know, and, and I, it's something that I can, I, I'm a lot like you, Patrick. There's not a lot of stuff that I listen to of previous bands that I could go back and not be cringe about, you know, oh. it's kind of just like, Ooh, those were growing periods. And, Oh, I can't believe I sang like that. And, oh my God. What, why did we have that guitar player? But uh, you know, it was just, at this point now, at, at that point, you know, 2016, 2017, when things were popping, popping. And I was just like, this just isn't, it's not hitting me the way that I thought it would. And I had to get to a point with high ego. I had to step back and just be like, have I done everything that I've wanted to do to this point? And the answer was yes. A lot of, uh, a lot of musicians look for love in all the wrong places. You know, um, not to not to quote a, a terrible country song, but that's that's what we do. See, Colt, I do like lyrics. Look but at like, you. Do you know that song? Yes, I do. You're maturing, sir. You You're would. maturing. Damn white boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I we 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 do that, and I think about that all the time. Um, you know, like you said, with like with Killer Me, Killer You, like we just we hit. It was very bizarre because when I joined that band, I wasn't looking to do anything other than like can we just like get to a rehearsal like place and jam and drink beers? Like I just wanted to like crush beers, get stoned and play music. Like that, that's all I wanted to do. There was no thought of being on the radio. There was no thought of touring again. Cause I had already toured before, you know? Yeah. Um, there was no thought of like doing any of that stuff. And I always said like, okay, if it happens, I'll do it. Like I was that, you know, we've all been yeah. there too. Like, okay, we'll just embrace it if it happens. But like, no, that's a bad way of looking at it because you're, you're chasing that own validation within your own soul. Like, okay, if it happens, no, you deep down, you want it to happen, but you're too scared to make it happen. That's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, I was such a pushover on a lot of these things. Whereas maybe if I had just spoken out and said, here's what I think we need to do. Here's what I want to do, but I didn't. And it, but again, I don't, I don't regret any of it, but you know, it's like you said, it's like, there were a lot of things that I think at the time in the moment, I took for granted 
Um, when I look back on it, I'm like, man, that was cool. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't appreciate yeah. it enough in the moment. Um, yeah. But that's life, you know, you, but if I knew then what I know now about so many things, it's, I think it would have been a different, a different story. I'm not saying it would have turned out different in any of the projects, projects I was in, but it, I think it just would have been different. Um, I don't know. I, I, but I often feel like looking back on those moments, I don't feel old or I don't feel, you know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like I've grown out of them. I just feel like yeah. I have a different knowledge of the rest of the world. So like the, 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 the dumbass I was in those moments is different now, you know, but maybe you need those you know, moments to grow up, but I don't know. It's, too. it's funny to you think know, about. The analogy that I use is you, you you're going to touch that burning stove one time, get burnt by it. You're never going to do that again. Yeah. You know, you have to go through those moments of learning. That's what I was saying, you know, a little while ago was I will always look at it as, you know, the mistakes or missteps or unforeseen things that have happened in the career of music for me. You just have to accept for what it is, you know, the missteps, the misfortunes, all that stuff that happens, you know, it. You just have to accept it for what it is. And I will always accept that as an experience, you know, and the, the good and the bad have to come with it because without that, you can't gauge anything that's, that's meaningful for you in your life. So, you know, it's at this point in my life, those 20 something years of playing music and, you know, some of those people I don't talk to anymore. And at those moments I can flash back to certain things that made me love the reason why I played music and, you know, for whatever reason it is, but, relationships or not you you are going to continue to keep moving at the at the force and the pace that you do in your life and they're either going to be there or they're not going to be there and that's the same thing with music you're either going to be in that moment with yourself not for other people which you thought it was which we all did i thought it was for them too but at the same time it's like no it's about me and am i experiencing for the fullest what, am i coherent enough to understand what i'm doing and taking and not taking it for granted. And I think now with that education of so many years of mishaps and faults and breakups of bands and, and friendships, it has only made me who I am now. To to not take those moments. Like yesterday I was I was here with the kiddos and I got a moment to pick up the guitar. I haven't had a bunch of moments to pick up the guitar lately, probably in like four or five months. And that's okay. This is where my life is. But I had the moment to seize. My little one was was not uh was not having it. So I was like, perfect time to 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 sing some daddy songs and and rip the guitar out. And I just started playing. I just saw his face light up. Like he stopped crying, stopped doing what he was doing, and just sat there and watched me. And I was like, that is what I chased. I chased that moment that I'm not gonna get back. I'm gonna I'm gonna seize this moment with him. And I'm going to show them that, you know, this is what we're all about. Right. So now that's, that's really what this is, man. If I put music out, awesome. And the fact that, you know, we've got a record that we're putting out, we've got a five song we've been sitting on for four years. It's unheard of for a lot of people. But for me, it's like, it was the time and place. Now is the time. And we've had the opportunity to see it from different sides. And now we're going to release what we, what we love and what we want to. And, you know, it's kind of like that thing is my expectation all my, always in my mind is who's going to who's going to view this and who's going to like it, and who's going to not. But then I got to stop myself and be like, do I like it? 
Am I putting out what I put out because I wanted to and that it was enough to put the pen in it and say it's done and now it needs to see the light of day? And absolutely, man. I mean, this yeah. is one of those records. This is one of those opportunities since the hush list that was kind of mine. You know, working with the two other people that I worked with, there was no pushing from any side. There was no, you know, being cooperative. It was, hey, I think this needs to happen this way. And they were like, okay, that sounds good. This is Chris. This is your thing. You know, we are on the ride with you to make this better, not make it worse or to change it. And like that was one of the first times that I had ever heard that in anything that I was doing, which was we trust you enough based off of your, your, you know, your portfolio of stuff that you've done and how, how you've been viewed that you know what you're doing. And at that point, it was like instant validation of like, okay, I can do this and I'm going to run with it. So whether it took four years or 15 years, I knew that when I was going to put this stuff out, I was going to be happy with it for myself. Mm-hmm. Other people are happy with it. Fuck yeah. That's just a bonus. But as long as I can look at my wife or I can look at my family and my kids and they can be like, that was cool. Or like you said, like 15 years down the road, they're going to be like, that was lame. <laughs> but at some point, cool. You're just not, you're not thinking it's that way now. You're being pretentious. Right. But, you know, I, I looked at it that way. I've only put out, I've put out so many different records and so many different singles and so many different things throughout my career. And I think this is the moment that I'm like, wow. I'm I'm putting exactly what I want to put out. So, yeah, that's great. And kudos to you. when I when I heard that the the podcast the last one that you did where people were giving you shit about your song, dude, that like that hurt my feelings. Oh, it man. was kind of just. <laughs> but well, we live in that world. Somebody can hide behind the hide behind the door and then throw the rock at you and then escape. And it's like, who's who's really has a bruised ego here? Is it Patrick or is it that douchebag who had to make? who had to make that comment to you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> dude, it, I thought at the time it was like, really? And then now when I think about it, it's funny. It was just, it, it was, it was just the, the, the subject matter. It's like, it's a music video. Clearly I made it about my kid, you know, exactly. like the whole point was like me telling the world that I love my son. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I don't know. It's like, what do you, I don't, you want me to say I love like pizza? Like I don't understand. What do you want me to do? Like, so yeah, it was just a little bit. I mean, I expected it to be honest with you. I mean, since we since we started doing this show, you know, we've had haters come out of the woodwork just with different different things that we've talked about. Which is, you know, we're all in this for the attention. So we know it's going to come in positive ways, waves. It's going to come in negative waves. That was just a little bit. I was like, God, come on, really? My kid? Like, we're going to... So, but that's that protective side of me that I have now. Um, yep. You know, which is good. Good. I, you know, we're all dads. Like, we have that. That's going to be a normal thing. But yeah, with, with this show, I just... Ex- we, we expect it at this point. It's funny. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have Patrick, yeah, I I have Patrick doing, Blair you know, on this show. What do you expect? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I bring the hate. It's just... It is what it is. Um, I have my own hey. trolls still. They're going to come and they're going to spend the time to sit there quietly until they can say a comment and bring it all, man. Bring it all to you. (laughs) Chris, are we close enough to the release of that music for you to promote anything or? 
So we've we've dropped those two songs, Trying to Sleep and Gang Gang. Okay. Uh, and then the 16th of February is when we're going to drop the rest of this. We got three more songs. Okay. And then we we did another recording session uh, several years ago that kind of never saw the light of day either. And um, one of the two songs, we just weren't super happy with how everything turned out, but it now kind of fits in the context. So one of those two songs um, got revamped and that's on this record. It's called Lip Crush. And then the other song kind of just fits into where it's supposed to now. And that's called Days Change. So we'll release this record and then a couple months down the road, we'll kind of, we'll trickle that one in. But, you know, it's, it's time, man. We've, it's, we've been sitting on this for so long and we've, we've tweaked it so many times and, and things just having that, that opportunity to just sit back and reflect on it. And it's to a point where I think everybody's going to dig it. Now, did we, did we even mention what the name of the project was? So the project is called Mad Love. Right. And it's just a, I, I, I specifically say this is not a band. It's really not even a project. It's just a music collective. Okay. This is two or three other people in this project. And we all have brought in our own ideas and really just formatted the way that things were supposed to be. No stress, no nothing. It's just a collective of music that we all came to the table with. So, but the music is called, the collective is called Mad Love. And, uh, the, the record is called Heavy Stones. Awesome. Go check it out. I bought those songs yesterday, bought Colt. Oh, Very look important. at you! But the reason, no, the reason, I, yeah, you get you get a ton of money out of that. I, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, but no, I. The reason I bring it up is because you mentioned yesterday that iTunes kind of did a little some shenanigans there. It's hard to find, so I wanted to bring that up. So if people do try to find it, tell them how to find it, please, because I had to ask you. So you can you can reach out to me if it's confusing. It literally has. It, it comes up as a rap group called Mad Love. And by the way, they're actually really good. They formed <laughs> in like the late. So go check out Mad Love, the rap group. It's, it's two guys. I think they're from actually from Detroit area. But uh, anyways, it's all capital letters. Mad Love. M-A-D slash L-O-V-E. Okay. And then you can look it up by one of those songs. So put Mad Love dash trying to sleep or gang gang. And uh, if you can't find that, then you can come towards me and I'll, I'll shoot you the link. Cool. I, I had to bring it up because we talk about streaming often. If you've listened to one minute of the show, you've probably heard one of my streaming rants. But so I always like, to put, it, I like to put it in Colt's face that I, I purchased music and didn't just stream it. So it's very important. But uh, I also like to have it. You know, it's a collection on my phone now. I don't have the CD cases yeah. anymore. What a bummer. No what can you so do? weird. We all grew up with the CD case and showing off what you have, and now it's like, oh, it's all it's all in my phone. It's just it's nuts to me. Still at this moment, and I'm a driven person, and I'm still like that tangible aspect of holding a CD, the lineograph of, of the lyrics and the artwork and everything that's with it will always stick with me. But you know, we just don't live in that modern time now, or that is not modern time. No. Not at all. Patrick, you yesterday went on Twitter and name like we're naming a bunch of bands that have put out new music. 
Did you buy all of that? Sure did. Look at you. You could be lying. I don't know, but why? Why would I? Why, <laughs> why I'm just, would I project? Just curious. That you need to purchase music. I'm just curious. And then I'm lying about it on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was also bored. I just I had to let the world know about new music, such as Mad Love. Um, yeah, I bought that all. How dare you ask me if I bought all that? What's wrong with you? <laughs> he bought it with his subscription, family, Apple, iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to get too too deep into this because I'm sure if anyone listens to the show, they're tired of What are your thoughts on streaming? And the reason I asked this, so on the last podcast, I, it was very, I thought it was enlightening to some people and I could tell by reading the comments that it was because the comments were, the reaction to this was mixed, but T-Pain actually tweeted, you know, what an artist, how many streams an artist has to have on specific streaming services to make $1. You know, and I think a lot of naive people were surprised by it. They're like, oh, my God, really? Like, how are people earning a living? Well, they're not not off streaming anyway. You know, no. Um, Merge you know, and traveling. And, no, it is. I want I, you know, what we try to I try to stay up to date on what the online music community is saying about a new bands, you know, the, the evolution of music and how we consume it. But, you know, oftentimes I hear that, you know, if you complain about streaming, you're you're considered just a, a an older sort of out of touch person who doesn't get the way things are. No, I completely get it. It doesn't mean I have to like it, you know, exactly. and, and it's not about how easy it is for the fan or the listener to get. It's how they're getting it. And when it comes from me to them, who it goes through in the in between is what bothers me. And there's all the fine print and there are all the, the levels of things that are happening. And then the artist in the end gets royally screwed. Nothing, um, basically. You know, so, but a lot of the reaction to what T-Pain said was, well, why don't you just pull your music off streaming services? You know, boycott the streaming services and you do what you want. Or you start your own streaming service if you think it's that easy, whatever. So what are, what are your, what do you, I know you probably don't have the answers, but what, do you, what are your thoughts uh, I mean, you know, when it gets down to the root of things, I mean, I think it's crooked for 100%. But, you know, you, you pay into the platform that you don't have exposure to. So it, you, you pay to play. And that's kind of a lot of nice, naive people who are in the music industry don't understand that. And it's, you know, me having exposure to those type of of things that have happened to me in the past, or, you know, I've even been in recording where the guy put up all the money for it. And at the end of the day, we didn't own any of it. You know what I'm saying? It was kind of like, well, I didn't think that out. You know, what, what, what how did that happen that way? Hmm. But it was really, you, you have to put your whole thought and effort into, to understanding the streaming service is there to offer you. It's almost, it's a marketplace. It's just like an Amazon. It's just like any of these other bigger companies that are doing this. I have everything that you want. You just pay in at a subscription rate and we'll give you all we have. And we'll push your music further than you'll ever be able to touch. Now, there's two sides to that because, you know, yeah, you could do it yourself and probably spend a bunch of money and get your own streaming service. Then you have to market it and you got to have the right people pushing it. You know, it's, it's doable, but it's going to cost you more time, and more effort. Um, than to just say, here's my $29 on CD Baby. Let me upload all my music and my artwork. And you just stream it to all of these platforms. And if I get a check for $40, then awesome. You know, 
And then that's what most people do. It exhausts you to a point where you're just like, fine, I'll do what you want me to do. So yeah, it's crooked, but they also have marketing strategy behind that to make it that way. And you got to give them props for that because you know, if it was to them, it would only be the elitist group of people, these artists that we've watched our entire lives, that would be on those streaming platforms and nobody else would be on it. The fact that they've opened the gates and said, hey, we're going to take X amount of dollars, you know, in the fine print, and you get this little bit, little bit of change. But we're using all of our contacts, all of our exposure, all of our, you know, social media and all of our uh, marketing strategies to help you do this. If you think about it, that's exactly what these record labels do. Mm-hmm. You sign in the 360 deal is because you don't have, you've gotten to a certain point where you're popping hard, but you can't get to that next level. Well, you're going to need me and my PR group and my managers and my, you know, all these other people to basically bubble you up to be the next Katy Perry so we can make you explode in billions of dollars. You're not going to get a billion dollars. You may see a million dollars in 10 years after 10 records and us exhausting you completely. Maybe you might be a millionaire. Do you want to go through that? And you know how many people are standing in line, falling off that cliff, saying, yes, I want to do that. Too many people. I mean, for us nowadays, it's kind of just like, why? Why would you sign up for um, ultimate failure? But guess what? They hold the keys. They're dangling the carrot saying, you want to get to this next level and you want to be this huge thing, you got to go through us. So yeah. I look at it as the lesser of the evils. I'll pay my twenty nine ninety nine to put my CD on there and upload it and artwork. And you take your chunk and, you know, what it really comes down to is I didn't do this for money anyways. I did this because I wanted to just do it because I love it. Yes, I put I put in thousands of dollars. I mean, I, it's the same as you, Patrick. If I have, if I actually thought about how much money I've spent on the bands and all the recording and the traveling and everything else that I've done, I mean, I would probably throw up right here. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be it'd be hundreds of thousands of dollars within twenty years at least. Just in recording would be several tens of thousands of dollars, you right. know. But at the end of the day, I didn't do it for that. I did it because I wanted to do it. And I wanted to put something out that at some point I could reflect on and be like, that's in the world forever. And I get to be proud of that. So with the streaming piece of it, you kind of just have to bite the bullet with it. Well, I, but had, I don't like it. I had asked Patrick, like in, in all reality, how much do he think an artist should get? Per stream, if if we were being if we were being realistic, and he made the joke that it should be a dollar a stream, but then if you think about like how many bands and how many billions and trillions of streams happen all the time, a company would go under. So I yes, just wonder, and I know you're talking about like all the strategy that comes into play and everything, but I wonder like where is the middle ground where most musicians and artists would be happy with what they are getting from a streaming service like Spotify. That would be feasible. You know what I mean? I don't think there is a middle ground. I right. think Patrick has a point. That is a dollar a stream because that's my music. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I into it and everything from that forefront scene. You know, like there was there was no none of you people in the background when I was creating this process and going through all the stress and the financial, you know, hardships and everything else to get this thing to see the light of day. 
But at the same time, they're looking at you like, yeah, so what? We've got what you don't have. Exactly. You've got one piece of it. We've got a piece that's more enticing than your one piece because without us, nobody gives a shit about your piece. Right. There's just going to be some other – what it really comes down into is there's too many people who, don't, who think less of themselves and will sell their stuff for nothing. That it was the problem. And it's still going on. These 360 deals were made because of those people. Too many people said, you know what? Screw you. I'm not going to take your crap deal. I'm going to go on to the next person. And that A&R guy or that manager said, there's already 15 people behind you waiting to take this crap deal. So bye. So that when people started selling themselves short, that's where everything went wrong. That's where we're at now. Now what I care about doesn't matter what other people care about, which goes right back into what I was saying a while ago. It's not about anybody else, man. It's about me. It's about what I put out and what I feel is the right thing to do. And if that means that I got to put the money up to do it, then I'll put the money up to do it. Right. Yeah, the streaming services have just replaced what we what we knew back in the day as the record labels. Streaming services have just replaced the record labels. Back in the day, yep. you wanted to get signed because you needed the label for the distribution, for the marketing, for the promotion, for the the upfront money that it would take to go on tour, to record, to record, to film a music video. We didn't have that money. And if we no. did, we got it from an investor. And we knew plenty of people who were going that route. I'm wondering if any of those investors got paid back, you know? Um, you know that. And so the streaming services have replaced that idea that we used to have about getting signed to a label. Um, but it's worse. In my opinion, it's worse than what the record labels were doing, you know, back in the day, as far as the deals they were giving out, because it's we're talking about fractions of a penny, fractions of a penny that you're getting. And the other idea is this. And I brought this up. And, and again, I don't have a solution. So, I, I, you know, am I really just blowing hot air at this point when I talk about streaming? Probably. But, you know, again, I understand the purpose of it, because, you know, it was, it was written in the sand a long time ago with Napster. And now I completely understand why Lars and the rest of Metallica or whoever was behind Lars at the time. I completely understand now what he was getting at because the, he, someone at that point saw this coming. They saw Spotify coming. They saw Apple music coming. They saw all this shit coming. Um, so yeah. while I get why we have it and why it is the marketplace now, again, it doesn't mean I have to like it. But at the same token, you know, I look at it like, you know, it's replaced the record label. But again, we're talking about fractions of a penny. But, you know, I brought up on the show, you know, I had someone comment on one of the first songs I put out. They said, hey, you have this set to kids or it's available to kids on YouTube. So now I can't comment and I can't put it on a playlist. I didn't respond to the person. But what I wanted to say was, hey, man. So what? You don't yeah. get to put it on a playlist. You want to make a playlist, go spend 99 cents on iTunes and then put it on a playlist on your phone with the other stuff yep. that you purchased. You know, I wanted to be like, hey, no, that's not the way it's going to work. But I just turn it off, set it to, no, it's not for kids. Leave all the comments you want. Fine, knock yourself out. But it's like, that to me is the, the kind of the, gro the the most disgusting part of all of this is people just expect the ability to just get it for free. 
you know? Exactly. Um, and I'm like, well, okay, I appreciate that you want to listen to it, but what makes you think you're better than everyone else who is listening to it, that you get it for free? You know, I don't know. I don't know. All marketing. I mean, it's all these huge corporations that have made it accessible and tangible to you and that you don't have to do very much. You know, it's, that's the scary thing. We could go into this another probably hour or so, but just the tech, the technical adventure that we're all going into is going to consume us as people, you know, in the near future where you're not going to have, it has, we're seeing it happen in real time. But, you know, just it's scary enough to think even five years down the road. I mean, hell, our kids are, are on iPads and clicking through shit and knowing how to, you know, how to work all these remotes more than we do. And that's scary enough where it's like, okay, well, these kids are going to grow up. We grew up with something tangible. You could pay your 10 bucks that you worked your ass off mowing grass or shoveling snow to go and buy this band's record. And you sat at home and you just played it and you looked at that that record for days and we're just like, wow, I just, how do they do this? You know, there was just this amount of, of, uh, you know, unseen side from bands. Now you see everything about them. Oh, now you know what co- favorite colors they like, you know, their outfits and everything like that. There was just, there was not a lot of, what is the, what is the right word? It's a, uh, uh, anonymity to you know our heroes which was like ooh, i want to know more about them but they're not showing me enough yeah now you see it so right. now it's just like people are so fed up with it they don't they don't give a shit about anything anymore because it's like oh you already gave me everything so see ya i'm gonna go on to this next person and it's like well crap i spent two years working on that and you just basically threw it on the ground and stomped on it right crazy Right. And it's, and it's, and it, what you just said is the reason why we have uh, essentially TikTok has been a record label to, to artists. What you just said is the explanation for that because it comes in waves that are that quick. And because they're coming in waves that quick, the consumer or the viewer can go, fine, onto the next one, fine, onto the next one. And then they come back through, cool, onto the next one. And they come back through. Like it's not a, it's not a a long term thing for the viewer at all, you know. No. Nope. Um, and I guess algorithm ruined it all. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> whoever would have expected music to ever be fit into an algorithm, but that's the way it is. And again, I understand the way it works. I can't explain it. You know, we talk about yeah. algorithms all the time. I mean, we're we're putting out content right now. This is eventually is going to be spit into an algorithm. I can't explain it but I understand why it's happening and why it's here and why it's here to stay. Um, but yeah, I mean, TikTok and, and Instagram and YouTube, but they have essentially become record labels to some artists. Um, yeah. And, but, but it's the same, it's the same, it's the same thing as, you know, some record labels weren't for all artists. You know, we were chasing labels back in the day and there are some really, really infamous ones that, you know, bands from St. Louis would know about because bands from the area had talked to them or signed with them or did this for them that we would chase after these streaming services and these social media platforms have become that idea. You know, TikTok isn't for everyone, you know, you know, a perfect example, we've brought him up on the show. I don't know if you know who this is, but there's this kid named Jarris Johnson. He's like the new version of rock 
but he's TikTok. He got popular on TikTok. He would do covers, but now he's released his own music and he's got 10 million followers or whatever it is. So and TikTok and he's in a also, way was his record label. And he's also doing music with like Papa Roach and massive yeah. bands. Um, because that opens those bands up to that new exposure or that new group of people that perhaps wouldn't have listened to them previously. Um, so, you know, TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and all these things have become those labels that we were back in the day chasing after just to get in the room with or have a conversation with, or did you hear my demo? Did you hear this? Like, you know, but again, those labels weren't for everyone, you know, not everyone from St. Louis was going to get signed the same way that story of the year did, but there were bands that actually thought they could do the same thing. You can't recreate it. It's not for everyone, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, they bombarded a, I think what I remember the story correctly, like they went on, was it Goldfinger's tour bus or somebody's yep. tour bus and left yep. record in, a, in live videos and somehow it just got through to the right people. And then next thing, you're never going to recreate that ever again. Can't do it. You can't do it. But, but there, there are bands and there are people who think, well, you know what? I have all the answers. I know how to recreate that. It's the same thing with trying to recreate someone else's success on social media. It's, you've got to find your own thing. You got to, and, and again, it's a lot of right place, right time. And who knows? It's, you know, you know, we, we, you know, we're doing a podcast. We, he, he called my listen and watch, listen to and watch other podcasts sometimes. And we're like, man, that got 50,000 views. And in the back of our heads, we're going, how? And not to say that it was bad, not to say that it was good. It was just sort of. Dumbfounding. Well, it's like, I've never heard of that before. How do 50, yeah. you know, it's just, it, you know, you expect that there would be everyone to sort of be on the same wavelength as you and how your brain works and how you consume content. It's just all different, man. It's just, anyway, it, it was is. good to get another I, musician's opinion on streaming because we talk about it so much. We, we, you know, but it is what it is at this point. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's bad tasting. I mean, it, it's definitely always going to feel that way to me, honestly. But, you know, like I brought up, it's you got to pay into something. If you're in this, you, you got to be all the way in. So you, you the exposure to anything, somebody owns that right. And it's not you. You don't own the platforms that happen. That was that smart ass person who, you know, created an algorithm that just so happened to work and got every every viewer in this world to be like, oh, I can pay into this subscription and I can have everything that I've ever wanted to, you know, at my fingertips. Right. Unfortunately, of us as, as musicians would have ever liked it to go that route, but you have to adapt. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to exist just like anything else, at some point it's going to pass you up if you don't get on the right bandwagon with everyone else. So you know, streaming services suck, but at the same time, it's giving you the opportunity to, present your work you know a lot of people if you think about it this way you know it's like an artist or a painter you know they they weren't just especially before all of this technology happened they were having to rent out a studio space put the marketing out there have a street team pushing out to people to get people to come to their show gallery you know what i'm saying so there's a lot of money and time and effort that went into this if you look at it from that perspective these huge companies like Apple and whoever, Spotify, they have 
knocked all that time out for you. You don't even have to get off from your seat. You can type it in your computer. You can pay me your little money on your credit card. And then we'll work in the background and do this all for you. And then on that date that you set, February 16th, your stuff will magically show up on iTunes and Spotify and all these other places. So let us do the legwork. That is more enticing to people now than actually putting in that legwork. But right. to be honest with you, you, I would rather put the legwork in because that's more gratifying to me. Me, you know, face-to-face with people and saying, hey, you remember way back in the day where you'd take your CD player with your with oh, your yeah. CD and you'd, you'd go down to, you know, Del Mar Loop and you'd stop random people and be like, hey, we gotta, we're playing a show at the pageant. Here's a ticket and here, let me, let me showcase my music for you so hopefully you buy this random person's ticket. We did that all the time. Or we'd go gorilla slap, you know, posters all over the place so that people would maybe somehow see it in a coffee shop down in, in the loop or somewhere. You know, that was fun to me. Did we get a bunch of people out to those shows? Probably not. You know, every 200 flyers, we may have gotten five people. But at the same time, those five people took the time right. to say, I don't know who you are, but you've got charisma and and I like the fact that you were, you know, face to face with me and you showed me your, your music. I'm going to come check you out. And then they became diehard fans. And it was like, okay, I'm going to slowly build my team this way. Now everybody just wants it to happen. Here, I gave you my money. Now give me my millions. Like yeah. that's not what goes. It hasn't changed any of that stuff just because you're accessible to it. Now you just got more people looking at you that are just like, nah. I, I've already seen that. Nah, that's, that's been done before. You know, it's yep. just, it's funny. I look at like, we don't go through CD baby anymore. We go through a company called distro kid, which a funny owned by the same people. It's literally the people who started CD baby. They started another company. So, but I, I just like their services more. They're just more upfront, straightforward with you. They it's handle easier. all your royal. It is. They handle all your royalties. You break it all out and the, and it's done with. So with the CD Baby thing, you know, I went and looked at statistics and, you know, how we did as a non-band a non -band this year for the Hush List. And I think we made like 75 bucks. And the amount of streams was just stupid. We had, you know, a couple hundred thousand streams. Well, Cole, wrap, that's cool, man. We'll wrap this up. Cole, wrap this up. You got anything else you want to add before we get on here? I don't think so. I think we're good. All right. Well, tell me. Good to you guys. You too, man. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone, again, the music, Mad Love, go check it out, please. Mm -hmm. iTunes, all streaming services, it is available everywhere, right? Or are there are a few that you're not on. You're everywhere, right? No, we're on everything. Okay, good. Because you, you know, some of those, they're like, ah, it might be, no, just put it on there. You can go through that with DistroKid. Um, anyway, so yeah, go check it out. Mad Love, please go check it out. It's good music. Again, I just bought it yesterday. I can vouch for it. It's great. It is really good. So by the way, just want to point that out. Thanks, man. Enjoy what looks to be uh, sunny Colorado. We're going to deal with the snow. Later, bro. Yep. Later, guys. See ya.